Hey everybody, it's Pastor Will. Welcome or welcome back to the Brazos Fellowship Podcast. Thank you for listening today. And at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast if you aren't already. But more importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Woo! How things have changed. I wonder how many dates people would go on these days if you had to walk eight miles back to the farm to uh, go on the date. That's, that was a big commitment that guy did. It's so great to see you guys this morning, and thank you for being here for a brand new series entitled The Great Date Your Mate Experiment. Now, the cool part of this, there's going to be a message over the next four weeks that we're going to do talking about strengthening and helping your marriages to get healthier, but also with those, as you might have noticed, we've got these little dates, so we're going to help you out. This is Valentine's week, so this is a great week to get a little help with a creative date. You don't have to do all of this. This is totally a suggestion. You can do as much or little of this as you want, or you can throw this out and come up with your own creative date, but this is really just an opportunity to give you kind of a format for what to do to go out to begin to interact, to be able to talk. And this is really for married couples. Uh, if you're not married, some of this can apply to you, but uh, it's really for married couples. So we encourage you on your way out to make sure you pick up the date. Now, next week, we're going to be talking about the fact that we, and you've heard this before, that opposites attract. It's very true. Opposites also can drive you crazy. We're going to talk about how that can keep from driving you crazy. What was the God's purpose behind that and how it could really be a positive instead of a source of contention. Week three, we're going to talk about conflict resolution. And week four, you don't want to miss this, we're going to look at sex. That's right. We're going to look at what does the Bible say about this very important topic. And you may be surprised to know that it says a lot about it. So we're going to be looking at that on week four. You may not want to miss that one, okay? We've got uh, dates, though, over the next four weeks. You've got to be here physically to be able to get the dates. We want to give those to you, but they'll be a lot of fun. I think you'll really enjoy doing them. Um, and uh, Leslie and I are going to be doing them right along with you, so it'll be fun to kind of share our experiences. Anyway, uh, it'll be a lot of fun, but this week, as we get started with the whole series kicking off today, I want to begin with this big question that kind of is looming over our culture, over our country, and over every married couple today, and here's the question. It's simply asking, why is staying in love such a challenge? And it's not just a challenge, it is a huge challenge these days. And we're going to talk about why that is. And, and, and here's why I want to begin the conversation. Staying in love is a huge challenge because of what we experienced growing up. Now, let me explain what I mean by that. Is that when we go into adult relationships, and this applies not even just to marriage, but really to any adult relationship, we go into the relationship looking to recreate what was normal to us growing up, even if what was normal wasn't healthy, okay? We just, that's our default setting. That's what we were used to uh, as we were growing up. And here's the thing, that if what we experienced growing up was anything less than unconditional love, then what you go into uh, adulthood with is something akin to emotional malnourishment, that you are looking to make up for what you didn't get growing up. 
And it gets you, it puts you, it starts you out in a place of being needy and you are looking to get what you're missing. And in addition to that, we as Americans here in North America, we continue to struggle with divorce and remarriage. And that is a tough thing for kids to go through. How many of you, I I certainly fall in this category, how many of you would say you you grew up in a broken home where there was divorce, remarriage? How many of you would say that I did? Okay, yeah, I would say half or better of us in the room where my parents, they divorced, remarried, and there was even divorce again. So a lot of divorce, three divorces just in my family, and it makes relationships really complicated. And I don't know about you, but I can speak from experience and have talked to a lot of people about this, read articles and books about it, that when you grow up in that kind of context, there is a lot of competition for mom and dad's second family. So whatever kind of uh, deposits you were getting in your life of love and different things to make for a good relationship, you're now sharing that with a lot more people in, in different geographic locations just to get to your parents. It gets to be a real challenge. In addition to that, in our country right now, over the last couple of years, 40% of all the children born in this country are born to single mothers and will have no significant relational connection to their biological father. What I'm telling you this morning, folks, is that we have a new normal in this country. We have a radically different normal. And it's a normal that is causing us to ask a question, maybe like never before, is it even possible for two people to stay in love for a lifetime? I'm hearing more and more young people asking this question, is this even possible anymore? This seems harder than ever, more difficult than it's ever been. And I would say, yes, it is possible, but it is harder than ever. It takes more work than ever before. And we're going to talk about what that means and and why that is today, because here's the deal. Here's the key to making this work. The key is to staying in love is not trying to find the right person. It's finding someone who's committed to becoming the right person while you work hard to become the right person for them, right? I've never met a couple that have ended badly or ended in divorce that didn't start the relationship by saying, you're the one, you're the one for me and I'm the one for you. And when they felt that way, they would tell you with passion and fire in their eyes, yes, they're the one. Absolutely. Well, then what happened? They're not the one anymore. Here's what happened. It's not about finding quote unquote, the one. It's about being committed to becoming the one while they are working hard to become the one for you too. Now let me t- let me show you why that is so important and why that's such an issue these days is that we all go into adult relationships missing some of the necessary ingredients for healthy relationships. I want to give you a list of some of the necessary ingredients of a healthy relationship and here they are. And what I want you to do as you look at this, I'm going to go through the list, respect, encouragement, comfort, security, support, Acceptance, approval, appreciation, attention, affection, all A's over here. I'm not sure why. But anyway, this is, I think we can all agree, a healthy, vibrant, life-giving relationship between two people, especially a healthy marriage, is going to have all of these things present in varying degrees. And the thing is, I want you to think about for just a minute, when you were growing up in your home, and this is not an, an indictment against your parents, 
Even really great parents are not perfect. They can't provide the perfect amount of love for every single person all the time. Where was the deficit for you? Where did you come up short? Where did you think, ah, I wish I'd had a little more of that? Where was that? Because wherever that is for you, I'd like for you to write it down, circle it, and put it in your notes, think about it. It's important for you to know what that is. Because whatever that is for you, you will go into, you are going into your adult relationships. Not even just your marriage, but every friendship you have. Every relationship you have. If you're not married today, this still impacts you. It impacts how you interact in your relationship. You're looking for, expecting, and craving the areas of your life that you didn't get growing up. You want it. And the less you got, the more you're looking for it in your adulthood. And guess what? Your partner is also looking for what he or she was missing when they were growing up too. And herein lies the problem. The problem why we can't seem to stay in love. And here's the big problem. You and I can't give what we don't have. You follow that? But that doesn't stop us from trying to get it out of people that can't give it to us. We're constantly trying to derive from them what we're lacking, what we're missing, what we have a deficit in, but we can't seem to find it in them, and it winds up train wrecking the relationship. And what's interesting is that we live in a day where there is less and less and less of these necessary ingredients for healthy relationships. And because of that, it's becoming harder and harder, more difficult by the day to have and to find and to stay in love. And what we do is we get into relationships. I'm trying to get from you what I need. You're trying to get from me what you need. And what we wrongly and quickly assume over time is that you must be the wrong one for me because I can't get what I need from you. You must be the wrong one. So let's break it off. Let's divorce. Let's move on. Let's find somebody else. And we just continue the cycle. We do it again with somebody else because we haven't learned the lesson. And here's the lesson that God never created us to love like that. He didn't. And, in, and today, we're going to look at a paradigm shift that Jesus submits to us. And I want to ask you to really be open to God redefining love for you. Because we have all had those moments where we looked at somebody and we said, this is just not working out. And have you ever ended a relationship like this just to say, you're trying to take the burden off of them just to say, hey, it's not you, it's me. And let me just confirm your suspicion. You're right, it's you. It's absolutely you, okay? <laughs> you're the problem. I'm the problem. It's the problem's in here, that's right. But it's interesting that into all this relational confusion we got going on in our country today, in our world today, Jesus throws us a line to give us some relief, to give us some rescue, that he wants to redefine, give us a new paradigm for love, to redefine that love for us. And if, if we're not careful, as we look at what Jesus is going to say about love today, it can seem so simple that we will just dismiss it or overlook it and act like it really doesn't matter. But actually, it could radically change your life. It could be the game changer for your relationships, for your marriage going forward. But I want us to take a look together in the Gospel of John, chapter 13. We're going to start with verse 34. And this is one of the most clear and concise and straightforward places in all of the four Gospels, the Matthew, Mark, Luke, John of the, of the New Testament, that where Jesus lays out his plan 
his paradigm for how we're to love not just our spouse, but really everyone. If you call yourself a follower of Jesus, this is the way we're supposed to love everybody. And this was shortly before Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection. The, um, the disciple uh, um, Judas Iscariot had just betrayed Jesus and left the house. This is right after the, the Last Supper. He had just left. Jesus circles up his followers and he says, okay, there's something really important that I need to tell you before I'm tried and killed. Here's what you need to know. And here's what he says, verse 34. And if you would, let's read these highlighted words together. He says, a what? A, what kind of command? A new command I give you. And let's say it together. Love one another. New means that it's superior to what was. It's superior to what you understand today. And here's what I'm commanding you to do. I want you to love one another. Now, here's what's unique about this word love that Jesus uses. It's a verb. It's something that you and I do. He's not telling us to fall in love. He's not even talking about an emotion. He's not talking about something that you feel. He's talking about, I want you to go in love even when you don't feel love. This is revolutionary. This is kind of mind-blowing. This is really different. As a matter of fact, with this little, just this one half of this verse, this little glimpse into how Jesus understands love, I think we could speculate pretty accurately how Jesus might do marital counseling. Two people come in, they're having all kinds of conflicts and fights, and he would probably say something like this, I need you to stop arguing, I want you to go home, and I want you to love each other. <laughs> Wait a minute, Jesus, love each other? I don't even know if I love her anymore. What do you mean you don't love her? You're married to her, aren't you? Now go home and get busy loving her. And you need to love him. Now go. You're free to leave, right? That was your counseling session. This is how Jesus talks about love. It was something that we go and do. Here's the other half of the verse. He says this. He says, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. How are we to love? He says, here's your model right here. As I have loved you. There's your model. You want to know how, to what extent you're to love? How, how deeply? Just remember, to what extent was I willing to love you? The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. I was willing to lay my life down for you. This is a big deal. This is a really different idea than I just am going to do it insofar as I feel it. And he ends by saying, so you must love. This is a command. Let me remind you, I'm commanding you. This is not a suggestion. This isn't just for the elite that follow me, the real super spiritual, the people who are, you know, like in the ministry or something like, this is for everybody. Everybody ought to be doing this. Everybody, I'm commanding everyone to do this. It's so incredibly important. And it's, it, it's, it's powerful that Jesus is not showing us here to try to conjure up some type of an emotion. As a matter of fact, Jesus is not commanding us to feel something. Jesus, is trying, Jesus here is commanding us to do something. Do you see the difference? He's, he's telling us something that he wants us to do. Because here's the thing. Most of us didn't start our relationships like this. Most of us started our relationships because of something that we felt. And that's not bad. That's actually a gift from God. 
But here's the thing, that if we don't get busy doing something, showing love and doing our love, that those feelings will absolutely dissipate and never return. Research will tell us that the feelings of infatuation last at most 24 months. This is why most relationships don't last much more than two years. And, and they end, and when the feelings end, we go looking for the feelings again. But Jesus is saying, that's not what I've commanded you to do. It's not to go and feel something. It's to do something. So if you're already married, what ought you to be doing? What is the thing that I need to be doing for my spouse what, to obey what Jesus has commanded us? Let me give you a great filter question, a question that might be really helpful. Here's a good question to ask. Is this loving to them? <laughs> is what I'm about to do or am doing, is what I'm saying, is it loving? Is it perceived as loving by the other person on the receiving end? That is what I mean by this. Do they perceive it as love? If they don't, don't do it. You may be saying, well, well we'd never have like a serious conversation. We'd never have a difficult talk. Sometimes the most loving thing to do for them is to have a difficult talk to have a straightforward, honest, truth-telling talk. But do it in love. Say it with compassion. Do it in a way that they will be most apt to receive it. As if you were on the other end, how would you like someone to speak to you? How would you like for them to show love to you? Do it like that. But to do and to say and to behave in a way that is loving to the other person. And just in case you're saying, well, I have no idea what the answer to that is. I bet if you ask them, they'll tell you, all right? They'd be happy to tell you what is loving. Oh, well, I've got a list of things that I could tell you right away that would be very loving to me. Now, how do we do that when we don't really feel it? Jesus gives us this beautiful principle that really gives us some insight into how that works inside of every single person. It's found in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, verse 21, where Jesus is talking about this principle of how our treasure and our heart work in unison together. And here's what he had to say. Jesus taught, and if you would read these highlighted words with me, he says, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. If you've ever asked the question, well, well, yeah, I want to love my spouse, but are you serious? Like you're commanding me or Jesus is commanding me that I have to go love my spouse even when I don't feel it? What do I do then? And let me just say, if you've ever asked that question, you're asking it today. Every person who has stayed in love, who's still in love has asked that question. Everybody has. Everybody at some point has to ask that question. And this verse speaks to that question. And here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, listen, the desires of your heart, your emotions are always going to follow your treasure. Your treasure is your time, it's your talent, it's your energy, it's your money, it's the things that you value. Where do you invest those things? Because those things, Jesus says, you get to pick where those things go, and those things will tell your heart where to go. I know that sounds real backwards because people always say, listen to your heart, let your heart guide you, let your heart lead you. And to kind of straighten that out, I want to give you a little analogy that's been really helpful for me. I like to think about how a train works, okay? 
So let's think about it for just a minute, that your treasure is the engine to the train. It represents your time, your money, your energy. It's what you value, your treasure, and where you put it. The moment that you invest, let's say, in a stock, anytime you see a stock reading or you see the ticker, you're always looking for the abbreviation of your stock, aren't you? Why? Because your treasure is there. It makes you care about it more. Your heart is involved because your treasure is involved. This is exactly the same way relationships work. Jesus is saying that when your treasure is involved, when you begin to get involved and you begin to show love, you give your energy, your time, your money, you invest in them, it's crazy how powerful and how effective it is at changing your feelings and your desires towards that person. It simply comes down to how you choose to behave towards them. But kind of crazy in our culture, we tend to get this backwards. We put the caboose in front of the engine, and we say, oh, let's let the heart guide, and this is where the train wrecks happen, like figuratively and literally. It happens in our relationships. It's crazy how if we let emotions guide us, you will continue to ride a roller coaster, a train wreck of relationships throughout your life because your heart is like a child that needs to be parented. It is, has no business telling your life what to do. This is why Jesus over and over says, let you pick where your treasure goes and your treasure will tell your heart where to go and you'll begin to care about. You'll have desires for the things that God cares about and you'll, you'll have a desire for the person that God has put in your life to stay committed to. This is how you do it because the infatuation, the feelings are going to dissipate. They're going to end. And if you're not doing love, you'll stop feeling it and you'll wrongly assume I'm with the wrong person because the person's the one who supplies that for me. But actually, it's your relationship with God. It's you connecting and investing your, your, your treasure in the right place. As a matter of fact, this is what Jesus is really showing us, that we're designed for, we're wired in this certain way to act our way to a feeling rather than to feel our way to an action. That you can act, you can put your treasure there, you can, you can invest in, in such a way that it literally changes the way you feel about a person or a thing or a situation or even God. Some of you would even say here in this room that I used to never even care about God. I had no feelings about God, his word, about Jesus, what he had done for me. But because of what he's done for me and my relationship and how I put my, my treasure there over and over, my heart has grown so big for God. I can't get enough of him. I want more of him. And the more I put there, the bigger my heart gets for him because that's the way we're wired. That's the way we're created. And we go around feeling like we're a victim of our heart and really the heart has no business leading your life. You and God make those decisions, right? It's your decisions. And I, I want to encourage you today to really think about how this impacts your marriage. Because what Jesus is showing us here, what he's, he's revealing to us is a revolutionary paradigm-shifting love that says, I want you to begin to love other people not like they love you, not in reaction to how they mistreated you. I want you to love other people to the extent to which I loved you, Jesus says. And, and, and oh yeah, don't forget that I was willing to go to a Roman cross and die for you and resurrect from the dead for you to set you free. 
so that you can be my child, so that you can be a born-again, God-honoring, god uh, family-membered person that is belonging to God's family. And that happened because of what Jesus did for you and I. I love this passage where Paul takes the teaching of Jesus and he relays it again to help us understand it even deeper. Over in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, he says this, and let's read the highlighted words. He says, but God, what did he do? He showed his great love, not just his love, but his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. God demonstrated, some translations say. God did his love. He showed it. He manifested it. And he's saying, and this is the way I want you to love one another. This ladies and gentlemen, is a very different kind of love than let's get into a relationship and I'm going to try to get my needs met from you. You try to get your needs met from me. We'll try to make that happen for a period of time. We're going to burn out our emotions. We'll come to a conclusion of saying, you're not really the right one for me. I'm not the right one for you. Let's move on to someone else and maybe somebody else can meet our needs a little bit better. And let me just tell you, this happens over and over and over right here in the Brazos Valley, across our state, across our nation, across our world. And this is not love. This is using people. This is not loving people. And you already know that. And Jesus is saying, there's a better way that lasts and will change your life. But you have to be willing to disengage what the culture is saying and engage fully with what Jesus is teaching. And it works. And it will change your life. And it will change your marriage. And if you're single, it will change your future relationships by you saying, and it's never too early. If you're single, never too early to begin to work on this, to begin to prepare your heart for that kind of a relationship. God wants you to love everybody like that anyway. And let me just say this to you real quick. Those of you who are single here today in this service, I want to just encourage you, do not marry anybody who doesn't understand and isn't willing to commit to this kind of love. I don't care how successful they are. I don't care what they drive. I don't care how gorgeous they are. It won't last and you will be miserable. I see it all the time and so do you constantly. And if you're married today, the only way you get to stay in love, not just stay together, but to stay in love is to love each other like this, to love as Jesus taught. That's how it works. That's the only way it works. So here's what I want to do for those of you who are married already. I'm going to give you a little bit of homework to work on at home. And here's a question I want to ask you and challenge you with this week. What could you do differently this week to show love? Notice I said show love to your spouse. Now, again, in case you're scratching your head saying, I'm not really sure how I could show love to my spouse. Guess what? If you ask them, I bet they'll tell you, all right? And one of the things you could do is take them on a fun date, all right? That might spark some great conversation and get you some more ideas for the future. Maybe a date would be a great time, to, especially on Valentine's week, all right? Just sort of makes sense. This would be a good week to start having a date, a weekly date night. What a fun thing. And some of you are like, we haven't had any fun in a long time. Maybe it's time to start, all right? Maybe it's time to, to begin. And what's really cool is that you begin to involve God in the relationship. 
and you begin to love and commit, God, help me to love them the way you love me. What's beautiful is all the stuff you were hoping to derive from another human being, you will find you actually can't get it from them because they're not a savior. They make ter- people make terrible saviors. We already have a savior. Jesus provides all that you need. The apostle Paul said in Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, he says, my God will, su- will supply all that you need according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. My God will supply all that you need in here, out here. You trust him, walk with him, rely on him. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will show you the path to take. He will make it evident. He will make it clear. It's amazing how he changes your life. Here's the prayer of application I'm asking you to commit with me to today. It's simply saying, Jesus, thank you for giving me love that is nothing like what you were given by others. Help me to give that same selfless love to my spouse. Or you can replace spouse with my roommate or my uh, person I work with, my boss, my whoever it is that is challenging right now to show love to, this is where your prayer ought to go today. It's simply saying to love my spouse or whomever, you fill in the blank so that we can stay in love. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Brazos Valley, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environments, visit us at brazosfellowship.com. That's brazosfellowship.com.